You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. So in our series, ordinary, um, The New Ordinary, during this ordinary time, Today, uh, we're looking at something that we call ordinary detours. A detour, of course, is fairly ordinary. I mean, it's not so ordinary. It's like the very definition of detour might suggest that it's not ordinary, right? Because your ordinary way of saying making your way to work or making your way home is the ordinary way. And the detour is an alternative way. It's a different way. But detours happen enough that we consider detours fairly ordinary. Oh yeah, this is a detour. This, I'm going to have to go a different way. My, my destination is hopefully the same, but I'm going to get there by a different path. And if you've lived long enough, you know this to be true. Um, you've heard it said all your lives, but, but after having some experience, you realize that life is really not about the destination. Life is about the journey. It's, it's about the process. It's about all the things that you experience on the way to wherever you're going, not just a matter of getting there, which makes detours all the more fascinating because this is not what I planned. This is maybe not what I hoped for. This might be a way of experiencing all sorts of other things. So in this story that we heard read today, thank you, Sarah, it's the story of Hagar and her son Ishmael. Now, typically, when we hear stories out of Genesis, we hear stories about Abraham. We hear stories, perhaps, about Sarah, the wife of Abraham. Or we hear stories about Isaac, or Jacob, or or Joseph, right? The son, the grandson, and the great-grandson of Abraham. It's an Abraham story. But today, we hear a detour. (laughs) Today, we hear a different story. Today, we hear a story that's a, a bit unexpected, So what's interesting about this story, part of it, is that Hagar is never referred to as such by either Abraham or by Sarah. They never call her by name. They only refer to her as the slave girl. Now, I I want that to sink in with, with you for a minute. They only speak of her as the slave girl, never calling her by name. So let's slow down and think about what her story actually is. She is originally owned by Abraham. Now, we might try and make some certain moves and try and explain it away, like, well, it's a different culture, it's a different time, it's a different experience. But surely, we know that slavery is wrong. That slavery is not what God intended for the human race. And Abraham... Our father, Abraham, had slaves. And one of his slaves was this young girl, Hagar. And so he had gifted Hagar to his wife, Sarah. Hey, Sarah, let me give you something. Here's a slave girl. She's, of a different, she's from a different nationality. She's from a different culture. She's not one of our own, but I own her. And I'm giving her to you. So now she had belonged to Abraham. 
He, she was Abraham's slave girl. But now she is Sarah's slave girl. So now Sarah has this slave. And what is she to do with her? Well, Abraham and Sarah are getting older in age. They have this idea that there's this promise that Abraham's going to have children and that Abraham's children are going to become a nation and that through that nation, God's going to bless the whole world. Right? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago in Ordinary Blessings. But how is God's promise of blessing the world going to come into reality? How is, it, how is it going to be an, an actuality that people experience? Well, Abraham and Sarah, they're, they're trying to make this happen. And so now Sarah has this girl that she owns that's been gifted to her by her husband. And what does she decide to do? But traffic her back to her husband. So Hagar is, is sex traffic. That's the term we'd use today. She's given over to a man so the man can be with her. And it's by his wife. He had given this girl to his wife, and now this, his wife is trafficking her back to Father Abraham, of all people. So Abraham's with his slave girl. She gives birth to Abraham's first son, Ishmael. And all is well. Until Sarah gets pregnant. What? Miracle of miracles. It's wonderful. God's promise has come through in ways we couldn't have expected, in ways we couldn't have anticipated. Sarah has a baby. And now the baby's turning one years old. And so you have a one-year-old and you have a, a young teenager. And Sarah's looking at that boy and she's thinking, he is the son, right, of my husband and that slave girl. I don't, I don't like the fact that that slave girl's boy is playing with my son. Like there's, there's potential competition. So she says to her husband Abraham, send the slave girl away. Let her and her and her child go elsewhere. Abraham's like, I don't know. I don't like that idea. He's my son. Even there... There's no reference to Hagar. He doesn't say that he's worried about the slave girl. It says that he's worried about his son, Ishmael. But God says, the promise that I promised to you is going to be realized through Isaac. I'll take care of your other son. So do, do as Sarah asked. And so now Ishmael is out with her child. And they have their one kind of flask of water. And they've used it up. And so she leaves her son under a tree. And it says she goes about a bow's distance away. About how far you can shoot an arrow from, from a bow. Because she could not stand to watch her son die of, of thirst, of starvation. And as she's that far away, waiting for that time, God speaks to her and says, I've seen your son and Hagar. And it's the first time any character in the story has called her by name. 
The first one to call her by name is the angel of the Lord, the manifestation of God's presence. And he doesn't call her slave girl. And he doesn't call her Ishmael's mom. He calls her Hagar. Hagar, I have heard your cry. I have heard your prayer. And I'm going to provide. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for your son. I'm going to bless him. He's going to have descendants. You're going to have descendants. They're going to become a great nation. This is remarkable in the ancient world. Women don't have descendants. In the calculus of ancient cultures, only men had descendants. I know we all know, obviously women have descendants. But I'm telling you, in that culture, they never spoke about the descendants of a woman. They only spoke about the descendants of a man. And then Hagar is told that her descendants were going to be a nation. So the, so the girl who had no name now not only has a name, but she has a promise that no woman has ever had before, that her descendants will be a nation that her son will be blessed. This is a detour that she could not have anticipated. Her whole life had been detours, <laughs> right? When she was born in Egypt, there was no expectation that somehow she would become a slave. When she became a slave, there was no idea that she would be traded or given away again. When she had been given away, there was no expectation that she'd be trafficked back to her previous owner. When she had given birth, there was no expectation that, that somehow that would cause so much trouble that she'd be exiled or cast out again. Her whole life had been detours, but in the end, she is cared for. In the end, she's provided for. In the end, she becomes a woman from the ancient world whose name is still known today. And I, again... That is so remarkable. It's almost impossible for us to imagine just how remarkable it is that we, in 2023, here in the United States of America, know the name of a Middle Eastern slave girl from millennia ago. Fascinating. We have, we have pictures of Hagar. Um, this one is from Mark Chagall. Chagall is, is certainly my favorite of the modernist paintings. So at the beginning of the 20th century, art kind of took a turn. And modernism, as you know, is very abstract. Like, I'm, I'm not an art critic, right? I took like one art history class, and that was like 30 years ago. So you'll forgive my pedestrian explanation of art. But you know Matisse, right? All the colors and the shapes. Or Picasso, um, the kind of abstractness of Picasso. They're... they're painting all at the same time, Matisse, Picasso, Chagall. What's different about Chagall, though, is that you can kind of tell what he's painting, right? With Matisse, it's just abstract shapes. With Chagall, you can kind of say, I think that should have been a face, right? I see a nose, an eye, and an ear. Um, that, that's with Picasso, excuse me. But with Chagall, Chagall's Jewish, and the community was very important to him. So this kind of Russian Jew and the way he was going to do abstract art was this. And so this, this is Hagar nursing the child uh, Ishmael. And it's, it's raw. It's, it's, it's almost overwhelming, right, to see. It's a story, again, an amazing story because 
Who would have expected a Middle Eastern slave girl from millennia ago to be, to be the subject of a major piece of art from one of the major artists of the 20th century? Who, who could anticipate such things? Well, I don't think any of us could. And that's exactly the way I think we find our lives. Like, when we, um, when we experience our life, particularly when we experience detours, in the midst of the detour, it can often be uh, kind of, we're uncertain, like we don't know where our next turn's going to be. Uh, it can be unnerving, like I had a plan and I'm not getting ready, I can't follow my plan, I have to kind of go where someone else is kind of telling me where to go. Right, detours can be very discombobulating. They can be troublesome. They can be problematic. They can take you longer to, you know, I was running late, now I'm on a detour, I don't know. Am I going to make my appointment? All of those things take place in the midst, in the midst of detours. But after the fact, when we look back on our lives, we often look at those detours as some of the best times. Hey, because it wasn't, the, it wasn't the normal, it wasn't the everyday. Hey, do you remember we had that detour? You know, I wasn't planning on going there, and then, look, now I'm there, right? Um, I was never planning on living in Florida. That was 20 years ago, we moved here. Oh, well, I guess I'm here now. I'm a Floridian. <sighs> <laughs> The Lord has blessed me. <laughs> right? But that's how we experience detours. And now, when we do look back on our life, let me just offer one, one bit of warning. We have to be careful to avoid the temptation or the allure of nostalgia. Because as you're looking back on your life, if you're nostalgic, what will happen is you'll think about the good old days, but you'll think about them unrealistically and uncritically. And you'll imagine that, oh, if we could only get back to that time, then this time would be better. Listen, we were in that time, and that time led to this time. So if we went back to that time, we'd get back to this time again. So this time is at least partially caused by that time. So if there's something you don't like about this time, there must have been something wrong with that time. Because that time is what caused this time. Follow that? I know it sounded a little confusing. It's like trying to watch a film where they had time travel. And you're like, oh, that doesn't work. But this actually does work. The time that we're in is at least partially a result of the time that we've come from. And if we think that the time we came from was just perfect, then this would also be perfect now. So when we do think of the past, it's important to both appreciate it, right? But also not be uncritical realizing that it wasn't ideal, it wasn't perfect, it had its troubles, and a future that we can hope for is actually better than the past. It's not just kind of going back to the good old days, it's moving forward to the better days. That's the Christian hope, that we're going to come to the fulfillment of God's promise, that we're going to come to a realization of what it looks like when um, our weapons are beaten into um, farm utensils, right? When we're included, when, when the system works the way it's supposed to work, when God's kingdom and God's will comes to earth, when the Lord's prayer that we pray every week, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven, like that's going to happen. Like we're, we're going to realize it. We come to the table every week and we do that both to remember what Christ has done, but also to remember what Christ is doing and will do. Because he is the God who is and who was and who is to come. And it's in the coming of God that our hopes will be realized, that our fears will be calmed, that our tears will be wiped away, right? That the detours will have all been worth it, right? Because we will reach a destination. But in the process, right? In the process, we do find ourselves here. And perhaps, not unlike Hagar, you might feel like you're experiencing a bit of um, a detour in your life. This is, this is not quite where you thought you would be. Things haven't always gone so well. And sometimes they've been quite horrific. Sometimes you might have found yourself on, on the verge of starvation, right? Being, being possessed and, and exchanged and forgotten and overlooked. Certainly Hagar had those experiences. But Hagar was blessed. Paul writes to us, or not necessarily directly to us, but he writes to the church in Rome and it's part of our scriptures. And it says this, this is, this is in Romans chapter six. Paul says, should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 6, verses 1 through 11. And I think we see in Christ kind of the ultimate detour. We see that the world was headed in one direction, and Christ comes and he takes us all on a detour. And it's a detour that leads through the waters of baptism and on to the life of, of the resurrection. So that like Christ in our baptism, we die like he died and like Christ in his resurrection, we come up out of the water. And I think that looks forward not only to an actual resurrection, a, a consummation, the resurrection of the body of which we speak of in the creed, but it also speaks to the life that we live now. Like this is that life. We've come up out of the water and now here we are. And this is the life that we have to live. It's a new life. It's a new ordinary. 
It's not the old ordinary. It's not the way of the world or the systems of the world, but it's a new ordinary. And what, what's new about the new ordinary, it is life after baptism. It is life after Pentecost. It is life after the Spirit has been poured out on the flesh. It's life after that transformation which has already begun, which we are being called into, which is why we should live differently. Right? It's why the, the demons of the world and the sins of the world are not ours. It's why that when we see people, we should see them as God sees them and treat them as God treats them and live this life differently. It's why when you watch the news, that shouldn't look right to you because it's not right to you. It's the way of the world and you're of a different way. You're on a different path, on a different road. You're on a detour. You're on the detour that Christ is taking us all on and that is bringing us to the consummation, the, the summation, the, the fulfillment of his promise that everyone, especially the ones that you might have thought would have been left out, like slave girls and their babies, are included, are loved, are remembered. For that, I think we can be grateful. We can be grateful because we realize that our own lives are sometimes hard. But we can also be grateful because we can realize that's just a better way to be in the world. Where we don't just know people by the title that they have, but we know them because of who they are. Eugene Peterson says that a person's name is the most important part of speech. I love that. A person's name is the most important part of speech. Your name deserves to be known. And I'm looking around the room, and I re I'm really bad at names, by the way. I don't know anybody's name. But I, I think I can name everybody here. And you know what? That didn't come to me naturally. It takes some effort on my part. But I think it, if I can flip the script a bit, I think it's also incumbent on you to know the names of the people in your life. And I know this sounds like I'm repeating myself from other new ordinary things that we've talked about the last few weeks. But I'm just saying, when you go out to a restaurant, that server comes to the, your, your table and they say their name, that's who they are. Don't just snap your finger. Call them by name. Person at the grocery store that's, that's checking out your groceries that you need to survive, right? They have a name. It's actually written on a little tag there. You can use it. Call them by name. You're at the gas station. Well, we don't go into pay anymore, right? You just kind of click, click. So we have to kind of overcome that temptation of being so disconnected. You deserve to be known. When you come to the table, trust me, you're known. That is a very personal invitation. The Lord loves you and the Lord knows you and the Lord wants you to come and receive that forgiveness. The Lord also wants you to be the kind of person that knows and loves people 
that cares about what their name is and then calls them by that. So let's all commit to that. I hadn't planned on saying this, but here it is. I sometimes say things I don't plan. You think he probably says things he doesn't plan a lot. <laughs> the elders have, have been uh, pressuring, pressuring me, pressure is probably the wrong word, but they have been emphasizing the need for an old-fashioned church directory. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And apparently the staff is also very interested in it. <laughs> All right, we're going to do it, right? And we're going to do it, and we're going to do it because of this, because Hagar's name no one knew until the angel of the Lord said, Hagar, I know you. And I'm convicted in the, in the best way possible, right? I'm, I'm burdened by that idea that if Hagar were to come here, we wouldn't know her by her past or by her experience, or by her ethnicity, or by her whatever, right? You know, her difficult time in her past or her life. But we know her because she's Hagar, and she's one of us. And that's who I want us to be, right? People who don't love an abstraction. This isn't a beauty contest where we're all just for world peace, Right? You can't hug the world, but you can hug the person right in front of you. Right? You're not called to know everybody's name. We're a small church. Know the people that come here. Right? That's, that's the practice. That's, that's how we live. Right here, in this place, in this time. Let's do it. Let's let this become our new ordinary. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.